0: Before we start the show today, we'd like to send our heartfelt condolences to the family of Texas-born actor Bill Paxton, who tragically passed away this Saturday. Paxton was born in Fort Worth and first came to fame as a character actor with classic roles in the 1980s and 90s, notably in Weird Science, Aliens, True Lies, Twister, Tombstone, Apollo 13, and Titanic. And more recently, great performances in the Hatfields and McCoys and Edge of Tomorrow. Last year, We gave Texas Rising, the miniseries, a hard time, but Paxton's performance as Sam Houston was not a cause for complaint. He made an exceptional Sam Houston and was an elegant actor. Our hearts had come and take it go out to Paxton's wife and his two children. Godspeed, Bill Paxton. I don't like you. You're gone. Howdy. You're listening to Come and Take It a podcast where three friends, born and raised in the Lone Star State, share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkoski.
1: I'm Sean McIver.
0: And I'm Scott Elpstrom. Edward Blackshear and Hightar Keeling were two of Texas' first African-American collegiate administrators, playing key roles in the founding of the first of Texas' historically black colleges and universities. They pioneered the way for educators across the state and left a lasting impression on Texas. Today, we're discussing the continuing legacy of two great teachers in Texas history. But first, what's your favorite Texas rodeo bull? Well, I'll I'll jump in first and say, uh, I really like Bodacious. Now, technically, he was born in Oklahoma, but PRCA Hall of Famer Sammy Andrews brought him to Texas, where he lived on the Andrews Rodeo Company Ranch. Uh, there's also an amazing song by Primus called The Ballad of Bodacious. And you guys know him famously as he's the bull that uh, basically broke all the bones in tough Henneman's face. How? So, Take that. As one bad bull. Google it. I double dare ya.
2: <laughs> What about you, Sean? Who, who did you pick? Uh,
1: well, I... Uh... I don't know a lot about bulls. The only thing I know about rodeo bulls is the movie eight seconds. Um, and so I'm going to assume that whatever that name of that bull is, that was at the end that uh, killed Elaine Frost <laughs> was from Texas. Cause that was a bad, bad, bad mama jam of a bull.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Um, my favorite uh, rodeo bull is the, uh, the mechanical bull at Billy Bob's Texas. Um it, it's famous, you should look that up. And you could ride it yourself. And it probably won't kill you.
0: I would think the one at Gillies would be more famous yeah. since it's you know, yeah. urban cowboy. Yeah. Like I'm a it's... cowboy. I'm John Travolta <laughs> Yeah, John yeah, Travolta's
1: I've, I've... leg straddled that bull. Famously. But
0: I've never seen the one at Gillies. I've
2: seen the one at Billy Bob's <laughs> <laughs> So I have a personal connection with the mechanical bull that I've never ridden.
1: His leg's like so weird, that bull. <laughs> Don't got a head, it's just a bull.
0: Texas has had a long tradition of higher education for African Americans, despite, and in some ways because of the historical segregation of the state from the end of Reconstruction to the 1950s and 60s, collegiate education for black Texans, and indeed throughout the United States, was left in the domain of a number of colleges and universities founded for African Americans. Most of these historically black colleges and universities were established with the assistance of northern United States religious missionary organizations. After the Civil War, the federal government's Morrill Act provided for land-grant colleges, focusing on the teaching of practical agriculture, science, military science, and engineering. The general focus was on educating the poor populations to prepare for the Industrial Revolution. However, in 17 states, segregated systems excluded black students from their land-grant colleges. In response, Congress passed the Second Moral Act of 1890, known as the Agricultural College Act of 1890, requiring states to establish a separate land-grant college for blacks if blacks were being excluded from the existing land-grant college. Many of the HBCUs were founded by states to satisfy the Second Moral Act.
1: Texas had a total of 11 historically black colleges and universities, which were founded between 1872 and 1927. This is a total only exceeded by Mississippi, North Carolina, and Georgia. These were Huston Tillotson University, Jarvis Christian College, Paul Quinn College, Prairie View A&M University, Southwestern Christian College, St. Phillips College, Texas College, Texas Southern University, Wiley College, Bishop College, and Guadalupe College. Now today... Bishop and Guadalupe are closed, but the others are still going and have had long historic traditions. Perhaps most admirable is that while black students were prevented from attending many white universities in the state, all HBCUs have always been desegregated, open to students of any color.
2: Now, as important as these schools are to the history of Texas, it's also important to look at two African-American educators who were instrumental in the education movement in Texas, Hightower Keeling and Edward Blackshear. Hightower Theodore Keeling was born in Waco, Texas in 1860. As a child, he lived and attended school in McLennan, Fayette, and Washington counties and was part of the first generation of African Americans to attend schools built as part of Reconstruction. He left Texas to attend college at Tabor College in Iowa, graduating in 1881.
1: Following his graduation, He moved to Waco and worked at the faculty of Paul Quinn College and later served as principal. While there, he also began working as a journalist. Keeling was was the editor for a periodical called The Colored American Journal with Reverend C.W. Porter. In 1883, Keeling moved to Austin, where he taught and became principal in the 8th Ward School, Robertson Hill. He served there until 1888. During this time, he organized the Central Texas Teacher District During this time, he organized the Central Texas District Teacher Association.
2: Keeling belonged to the African Methodist Episcopal Church, was active in church affairs, and had a serious interest in the history of African Methodism. In 1885, while he was a teacher in Austin, he published a history of African Methodism in Texas. He then was chosen in 1888 to head the AME Book Concern, the denomination's publishing house, and in 1896 became managing editor of the church's literary quarterly, the AME Church Review. He served as editor until 1912.
0: Keeling was an officer in the American Methodist Episcopal Church, and he was also an influential person through his position as editor of the Review. He participated in the debates on issues that affected the church, African Americans, and our nation as a whole during the early years of the 20th century. First among these issues was the discrimination aimed at blacks and what their response should be. Now, while Keeling could not be called a militant on the order of a W.E.B. Du Bois or a Rev e. C. Ransom, he was able to speak out against segregation and from time to time, he did urge that blacks resist violence rather than ignore it,
1: as his friend Booker T. Washington had proposed. Keeling was married to Celia Shaw, who was born in 1874 from Austin, Texas. The couple had four daughters and one son. The highlight of his career was his appointment as president of Western University in Quindaro, Kansas. In the fall of 1911, he returned to Texas as part of a tour of influential speakers led by Booker T. Washington. This passed through El Paso, Juarez, San Antonio, Houston, Prairie View, Austin, Waco, Fort Worth, Dallas, Marshall, and ended in Texarkana. Keeling died in 1918 and was buried at Greenwood Cemetery in Waco. His wife, Celia, lived until 1954.
2: After his death, Keeling Junior High School in Austin, the city's first black junior high school, opened in 1930 near the site where Keeling worked. The school closed in 1971 as part of the city's efforts in desegregation, but in 1986, Keeling Middle School reopened as an advanced magnet school for 6th through 8th graders. The Keeling magnet program has a reputation for excellence in academics, offering the most challenging and advanced core curricula in the district for English, math, science, and social studies.
0: Now, another great contemporary of Keeling and a great teacher of Texas was Edward Blackshire. Mere months after the federal emancipation of his parents, Edward Lavoisier Blackshear was born in Montgomery, Alabama on September 8, 1862, the son of Adeline Pollard and Abram Vandiver. Blackshear was educated alongside the white children of the Pollard family, who his mother still worked for as a maid. Blackshear attended the first public school for African American children in Montgomery and then the Swain School and Academy established by the American Missionary Society. In 1875, he entered Tabor College in Iowa, where he graduated in 1881 with Hightower T. Keeling.
1: Now, in his own words, Professor Blackshear said this about the, quote, Negro teachers. The Negro public schools are doing great work for the elevation of the colored people. In a silent, unobtrusive way, these schools are leavening the thought and life of the race. Now, he also said, The public school is doing effective work for the Negroes of the South in awakening in them a desire for better ways of living and higher ideals of conduct. Much remains to be done, but that already accomplished is an earnest of better work yet to be done.
2: Blackshear taught in public schools for a year before joining Keeling and Waco in 1882 and experienced what was termed as, quote, failing health. When he first moved to Waco, he got a job installing telegraph poles on the Texas Midland Railroad. Afterwards, he attributed regaining his health to this strenuous labor and believed that physical as well as intellectual development was necessary for a well-educated person.
0: He was soon hired to teach at Paul Quinn College, but in early 1883, he moved to Austin to teach at the 8th Ward School. In the fall of 1883, he became principal of the Wheatsville School, and in May of 1884, he was appointed principal of the Summer Normal School for Black Teachers to be held in Goliad. In 1888, he became the principal of the Central Grammar School, and in 1892, the supervisor of all the African American schools in Austin, as well as the principal of the high school where he succeeded Keeling. He served as president of the Colored Teachers State Association of Texas in 1903 and 1904.
1: After his first wife died, he married Rachel Works, and they had three children. In 1906, Governor James S. Hogg appointed Blackshear to succeed Lorene C. Anderson as principal of the Prairie View State Normal and Industrial College. While Blackshear was principal, the school prospered. Now, the principalship at Prairie View was a political appointment, and in the 1914 Democratic gubernatorial primary, Blackshear, due to his prohibitionist ways, supported Thomas H. Ball against the eventual winner, our friend James Paul Ferguson. The Next year, Paul Ferguson demanded that Blackshear be removed. That's kind of what we come to expect from Paul Ferguson. Yep.
2: I don't like you. You're gone.
1: <laughs> you didn't support me. You're gone.
2: Yep. Following his dismissal, Blackshear was made head of government extension work for three states. He died on December 12, 1919 <laughs> and is buried at the Oakwood Cemetery in Hempstead, Texas. Gregory Town School in Austin was renamed Blackshear School in his honor in 1936 when an extensive renovation and expansion program for that school began. Today, in Austin, a new school, the Blackshear Fine Arts Academy, offers an exclusive fine arts program in dance and arts to elementary students in the Austin Independent School District. Like Keeling, many schools in Texas have been named for Blackshear. Of particular note was Blackshear High School in San Angelo, which was
0: the first school in San Angelo to be integrated in 1955. So these are some great teachers. I mean, incredible educators who had uh, very prolific careers. They, um, you know, I mean, they were essentially the first
1: generation of black teachers in Texas. And they were an important part of Texas's development. Um, It is a sad part of our history that we have to talk about segregation and Uh, that schools were segregated, that everything was segregated, that that African-Americans were not able to enjoy the benefits of anything that their freedom really entitled them to. However, um, the problem, quote unquote, with segregating schools is that you've got to have teachers to teach those schools. And so that's what ended up happening. These colleges were built, um, established so that teachers could be trained to teach in these African-American or these black segregated schools. And so... Um, these two men were two of the, the most prominent, um, especially in administration, where um, they were not just teaching students, but they were directing to other teachers in schools. And you know, Blackshear Race came up pretty high in, in terms of he, he, he became a principal at what is now Prairie View A&M University, um, but he was appointed to that position, and it was a pretty, pretty prestigious position to have you know, become the the administrator of all um um segregated African American schools in the city of Austin. That was pretty 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 demanding responsibility.
0: Well it's crazy, you know, you talk about Blackshear, but Keeling as well. It's it's funny. They both went to Tabor College in Iowa. They both graduated at the same time. They both were ended in, in Waco and Austin. They they had very similar paths in, in where they ended up and did. Um but it's interesting that when Keeling left, you know, he was um they were both very eloquent I, I haven't found much writings from Keeling But I did find quite a few writings from Blackshire And they were, you know, really elegant, elegantly written And had very, um, you know, very uh, interesting points of view About how sort of, you know, what the role of the teacher is What does it mean to be a teacher And and these were things that just, they apply to to anyone who's in education I think they were, they were very good points of view and then, um, but Keely was interesting to me because, you know, he was on that tour and towards the end of his life where, you know, he was friends with Booker T. Washington. And they did this speaking tour that was going to basically go from one end of Texas to the other. And I think it was going to go in eight or ten days. So they had multiple stops along the way. And they were just doing this speaking tour and just talking about, you know, the the socioeconomic and political issues of the day. And, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of a, it was a, it was a real whistle stop tour across the state. So it was, it was pretty intense. You know, these were important guys and, but it's really interesting and to, and, and powerful to to see like a teacher elevated to that level that they weren't, you know, they were, they were teachers first and then everything kind of came from that. Yeah. I mean the
2: legacy of these guys and, uh, all of the, uh, the educational institutions that bear their name and uh, all the other, you know, historically black colleges and universities is very strong. Prairie View and TSU; uh, these are colleges that I've always known about and always um, have known them to be, uh, you know, quality institutions uh, for many, many years. So uh, it's
0: it's a great legacy. I think the the last thing to think about on this that that really uh, I you know. Blackshire's mother, you know, in, this, in the, the documentation I found, it says she worked in the house. But literally, slavery in Alabama ended just a couple months before he was born. And his mother had the same last name as the name of the family she worked for. I mean, <clears throat> we were working in quotes there for a good portion of her life. And I actually did find a writing that he wrote about his, his grandmother... And his grand- and he talked about his grandmother loved his mother um because she was the only child that her owners had allowed her to keep, and so she had very much doted on the one daughter that she was allowed to keep while she had to give the rest away uh which is a terrible statement when you think about it, and just how how awful that is um but he wrote while the he wrote all the a lot of these stories down. Uh, and, and so it's just, it's just It's deep stories That are ingrained into um, That experience And uh, it, you know And then this guy became a professor he Became a professor and administrator He was a leader of teachers across the state of Texas And he paved the way for a lot of people So I don't know I think it's a great salute to really great Texas teachers Indeed That wraps things up for today You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you. So like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. If you like this show, and you know you do, get out there and help us out. Tell your friends and tell them to leave a review on iTunes. And why don't you leave one too? Because it helps us to find new listeners, just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, visit Patreon.com/slash/TexasPodcast, where you too can become a Come and Take It Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. <laughs> Thank okay.